Yes, Father, here we are, and uh, we bless your name that we can gather like this, uh, different ones from around the world that we can gather with a heart to know you, a heart to know your ways, mm. a heart to know your purposes in these days, and what it means to be your people, to be your church. And uh, Lord, we, Lord, we've all got different stories to tell, different backgrounds, different experiences, but we trust that you have gathered us yes. uh, this, this day, this evening here in the UK to uh, come together with a with one heart and one mind and to to want to know your purposes for us yeah. uh, lord that we would follow you in all of your ways and so lord particularly this evening as we think of this uh, this subject lord we pray that our hearts would be wide open lord we want to be those who uh, worship in spirit and truth mm. and that's what you're seeking so lord help us uh, lead us, direct us, we, we pray. Thank you for one another. Thank you for uh, the joy of seeing one another and just hearing a little from one another. Yeah. Uh, Lord, thank you that you knit our hearts together. And uh, Lord, we bless your name and pray that you would encourage us as we, as we meet. Thank you for Bernard and Hazel, Lord, as they give of themselves. Uh, Lord, encourage their hearts as well, we pray. Mm. In Jesus' name. Yes, Amen. amen. Well, bless, bless you, Bernard. I think you've already had one Zoom session today, haven't you? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so actually, several of the, several of the, who was already on a session, a Zoom session with Bernard today? I think uh, Fred and Mel. Fred and Mel. Uh, Annie, I think. So you won't get away with repeating the same sermon, Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a bit of an impossibility for me. Uh, <laughs> I hope so, anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah, I've I've been waiting on the Lord to say a little. I think I gave a kind of title for tonight, which was something like a look into. I can't remember. Mark might remember. I, can't. I think it was a, a look at music in the city of God or something. Yes, something. that's right. That's it. You've got it. Um, yeah, because some of you uh, are aware that I have a little musical background from long ago. And uh, of course, and something like 25 years ago, I did a series on uh, music and and doctrine i think it was in a bible and prayer week in perth australia and um mm. you know it, it's a subject that's really exercised me a great deal as i've gone around in different countries in different churches and i've observed and seen and sensed Mm -hmm. you know that in some ways meetings are poorer in many of the charismatic churches and uh, poorer than they were in the say in the days of a really good 
Sunday morning Baptist church service with a very godly minister who would who would lead the meeting and do almost everything himself but uh, what was sung what was prayed what was read in the scriptures new testament and old testament readings and the message uh, well prepared and delivered and then prayer sometimes for the sick prayer for kings and queens and governments and so on and the meetings were very in those days especially if the minister was a very godly man and they were very rich and very full and very wide and broad and the way things have gone um, is that in many quarters it seems that meetings are just uh, twofold they're 50 minutes of uh, a band and uh, pre-arranged singing um, which as someone with a musical background I'm fully aware is that sort of 70% of it is manipulative, is manipulative. Uh, I've actually been in uh, in an Assemblies of God Bible school and uh, I was lecturing in a college in Sydney, Australia and uh, I had a, a, an opportunity to slip in to one of the lecturers who was um, teaching music, teaching the musicians and so on, and I was horrified to see that he was actually instructing the musicians as to the various chord structures that um, evoke uh, emotional response from the people, from the congregations, and how to manipulate things. And I don't want to speak negatively. I want to lift our eyes and I have a hope and I, I'm going, it's going to be very incomplete what I say tonight, but I want to lift our eyes much higher and our hearts much higher. You notice that Mark, when he prayed, he he quoted a certain scripture, didn't he? And uh, you, you, did you recall what he prayed? As he prayed, he quoted a scripture. That's an exceedingly important one. Um, and it was John 4. Um, I'm sure Mark will remember what he prayed. <laughs> you know, but it was from John 4. And... You you will all know it, and uh, uh, it's something that Jesus said, and I had the privilege of doing a Zoom earlier on um, uh, with some friends from Australia and Malaysia and some early birds who got up from <clears throat> the United States and Canada, and I spoke uh, about a little bit about spiritual salvation as Jesus states it in all the richness of its spontaneity. Um, and I spoke from John's gospel, three scriptures, 
I spoke from John 3, and I spoke from John 4, and I spoke from John 7. And uh, I told everyone then that the content of what I was going to preach had arisen from a prophetic word the Lord gave me, because um, some of us, and Mark is usually one of them, though he wasn't on Wednesday, but we pray on a Wednesday morning, some leaders on a Zoom prayer time. And during the course of it, and it's not always easy, those meetings, some people, uh, you know, it, it's not easy, but the Lord gave a prophetic word. And, and I will just introduce uh, it this way. The prophetic word was particularly powerful a number of the brothers wrote to me afterwards to say how much the Lord had spoken to them through it. But it was entirely spontaneous, provoked in my heart just by the Lord as uh, uh, one of the brothers was praying. And it began something like this, hold still, hold still. Rivers do not gush through gorges like torrents all the time. Rivers are not noisy all the time. In fact, fruit trees do not grow when the river is gushing noisily and powerfully smashing the stones up. Um, and so the Lord carried on speaking. Rivers have times when they meander, where they travel slowly across the, the, uh, the plains, uh, bringing with them alluvial deposits that enrich and doing things. And it's in those places that the fruit comes. And then the Lord went on to speak a little bit about uh, life in the spirit. The essence, and remember this, in meetings, in Christian meetings, you have not arrived at God's intention unless you arrive at a place a very wonderful spontaneity where the mind and the prepared is not paramount, where the mind has found its appropriate place as second, where the spirit, of course, has found itself uh, in the place where he should be. Remember that Jesus, the essence of God and of Jesus, is spontaneity. Jesus was entirely spontaneous. Um, you must never think of his preordinations and his preparations and uh, things of time 
uh, in as though God is sitting there moving chess pieces around, having thought it all out from the beginning to the end. There is something of great mystery in this. And uh, so I spoke a little from John 3 of how the Lord Jesus, knowing what was in man, spoke to uh, this man who came by night, and night in John's gospel always has a sinister connotation. And uh, so he came by night because he himself knew that he was in the dark, that he didn't understand this glorious Jesus who uh, was moving around and doing miracles. And Jesus said to him, you've got to be born from above. There is that which must so change you, so change you, Nicodemus, so change you. Uh, and then the Lord Jesus talks about the wonderful uh, movements of the wind. And he says, so is everyone who's born of the spirit. So one of the marks that you will find in those who are really moving in the spirit is that they are predictably unpredictable. In this sense, predictable in the richness of the content and the wonder of the worship and the adoration but not predictable in the way that it comes. They're spontaneous. And dear Nicodemus, you've got to under, you're a teacher in Israel, enslaved to your theological training, enslaved to the bondage of the system uh, and the idolatry, uh, the very thing that was given to you for life, that is the scriptures of the Old Testament as we know them, they have proved death to you. You remember it is the Bible itself that says the letter kills. The spirit gives life. So the spirit of the Lord wants us to know that, that the very wonderful book we have in our hands if not embraced with a willing spiritual heart that will humble itself and be taught of the spirit it can kill you it can kill your church and uh, as um, I went on I then went into the fourth chapter of John where the Lord Jesus talks about the conversation. He has a conversation with this woman at the well, who is not the rigid mental type that Nicodemus was locked up in his theology. She is a woman of great feeling and emotion and desire for love. And she, the rivers had flowed in her, the rivers of natural affection, the rivers of lust, 
had flowed in her and she's an outcast in the village in a manner and it came at noontime and Jesus asks her for a drink and we develop these things and and Jesus said to her now if you asked of me then I would give you to drink and the water that I would give would be in you springing up to everlasting life, a spring that was springing up unto everlasting life. There's spontaneity. There is the quickening presence of Jesus Christ by the Spirit in the soul of man. This is true salvation. This is true Christianity. This is what Jesus defined it. Springing up, flowing up, springing up. And I, my testimony to you all is this, that since that day when the blessed Lord baptized me in the Holy Spirit, I have tasted that kind of life ever since. New every morning, new every week. I'm not saying that I've always walked in obedience and purity of heart as I should have done. I am more than acquainted with my own failure uh, and humbled and uh, broken by it. But I want to give this testimony to the blessed Lord Jesus, what he said I have experienced. Uh, I have known it, I continue to know it, and I know it more now than I did even 40 years ago or 10 years ago. And I want to be clear about that, that it's an utter heart thing and it's a quickening life that is quickened so that I move into next week with expectation, even if I've been hit hard this weekend, as in fact has occurred with a little bit of disappointment that's come our way, um, that's all right. But I move forward um, and, uh, you know, with expectation, uh, what shall the blessed Lord do uh, in the days ahead how shall he turn this that way or the other way and uh, of course I'm I'm thrilled to be able to talk like this and then I went on finally to John 7 these are the three scriptures in the gospel of John in which the Lord Jesus defines the blessed life he says when they're pouring out from the golden pot having got some water on the great day of the feast feast of tabernacles they're pouring out the water in the temple the priest they're singing from psalm 12 as we know it 
about the wonderful um, uh, with joy shall you draw waters out of the wells of salvation um, that's what they were singing as the water was poured out this was their tradition this was their so every year they did this on the last day the great day of the feast and uh, amen that's what they did the ritual the habit the everything like that jesus cries out with a loud voice if any man thirst let him come unto me to me and drink and out of his innermost parts will flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. And isn't that a wonderful thing to, to contemplate? That again, Jesus is facing the habit of rituals. is developed out of Old Testament tradition. And he turns their eyes away from it all. And he says, come to me. Come to me and drink. And uh, so I developed this thing. And out of his inner, and you know how the churches have got this upside down. We in Bible seminary had mission rammed down our throats and half the people had not even received the Holy Spirit and went out on the mission field, knowing virtually nothing of what I've just described, of the quickening life of the Spirit. It's an amazing thing. And uh, to, to contemplate this, no wonder people get burned out. No wonder that missionaries, that more than 50% of all missionaries sent out from the United States never complete their first term on the field, or if they do, do not return again. That's a fact delivered to me by the then leader or named Will Longnecker, of the Worldwide Evangelization Crusade in Washington, Pennsylvania, in the headquarters when I did a conference there. Just think of that. And uh, there are reasons for this. And note this clearly. Jesus said, first chapter three of John's gospel, you must be born from above. There must be a change of the sourcing of your life. And you must know it, Nicodemus. Then chapter 4, he says the life will spring up. This is what Jesus said. Like a spring, springing up, springing up. And it's in that context that the Lord Jesus speaks about worship, doesn't he? And then it's only in chapter 7, he talks about it going out. Going out. This is Jesus' order. This is God's order. And unfortunately, in our enthusiasms, we turn it up the other way. 
And, uh, but in the fourth chapter, Jesus speaks to the woman when she instinctually turns toward temples. They had a temple. She was a Samaritan. It was on Mount Gerizim. It was in Samaria. They were a half-caste people. They had a, a perverted god, a perverted Yahweh that they worshipped. They were a mixed people. And uh, they were not a legalistic people so fixed as the Jew was. But... Uh, she, she said to Jesus, well, where are we supposed to worship? Where are we supposed to worship? That temple in Mount Gerizim or that temple you built down there and Herod's been at it for 46 years. Um, is it down there? Uh, where are we? To? And Jesus says, neither neither now let the implications of this begin to sink right in to our hearts because this is where i must truly begin on this it's not in the auditorium it's not in the so-called worship service you know this is one of the denigrations of the word worship that's happened in the last 50 years where now people talk about we'll have some worship as the guitarists start slashing around on their instruments or the so-called worship leader gets going it's all nonsense it's not biblical worship is much more as though we get to worship for 50 minutes or 35 or when we sing a song oh you i will tell you the place of sublimest worship that ever happened on the face of the earth and there was no one singing there was no one singing where a man worshiped where a man hung on a tree and worshipped and worshipped and worshipped and worshipped. Hallelujah. Worshipped in his spirit. Worshipped in his mind. Worshipped. And this is, of course, why. And this had begun years earlier where Jesus says in John 4, here, you know it well. He says, uh, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain, this is John 4, 21, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship, you do not, what you do not know, we worship what we know for salvation is of the Jews. Just take note of that word what, not who we worship. We know what we worship. God accepting, Jesus using the what, not the who, 
what we worship. Hallelujah. We don't worship emotion. We don't worship a sing song. We don't worship a book. We don't worship. What do we worship? What manner of God? Define him for me. Uh, you know, we know what we worship. Salvation is of the Jews. He is holy. He is love. He is light. And amen. And then it says, Jesus said, the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshippers. And I pointed this out this morning, and I'll say it again. Not the true worshippers as against the false worshippers. Not the true worshippers against the idol worshippers. The true worshippers as opposed to the shadow worshippers. The type worshippers. You say, what do you mean, Bernard? In John's gospel, the word true comes on a number of occasions. The true shepherd, the true vine. I'm the real vine as against the shadow vine, which was Israel that bore no fruit except me. I'm the real vine. I'm the true vine. And uh, I'm the true worshipper as against the shadow worship that went on in tabernacle, temple, in Jewish worship and ritual. It was shadows. It was shadows. Like he's the true lamb, isn't he? I'm the lamb of God. All the rest were shadow lambs, type lambs. You know what I mean by this? Just figures of the true. Figures of the true. And God, he says this, the, the true worshippers will worship the Father. And note this, my brothers and sisters, because one of the sure signs that a man is born of God and is in a worshipful spirit is that he's more likely to call God, oh, Father. Mm father father than god 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 see jesus says to us believe me that doesn't mean to say we won't say oh lord god almighty it doesn't mean to say we won't say oh god oh god but the dominant thing will be that from the deeps of your worshipping spirit, 
will rise this great cry, Father, Father, oh, Father. <laughs> it's tremendous. And he said, your worship, the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such the Father seeks to worship him. God is spirit. God, God seeks such. He, he doesn't want our music if our spirit isn't worshipful. If it's just manipulation. He doesn't want my preaching tonight if my spirit isn't aflame with love for him. He doesn't want it. It's, it's, and then Jesus says, God is spirit. And they who worship him must worship in spirit and in reality, in truth. That's wonderful. Wonderful. And you can see God is a spirit. You're a spirit. You're a spiritual being, my brother and sister. You're a spiritual being. The wealth, you know, of who you are, the seat of your personality is your spirit. It's your spirit that became vile and dirty the moment it came into the world because of the heredity of Adam that we came in one with. It's your inner man, your spiritual man that was washed, that was sanctified, that was made righteous, that was transformed and is being transformed by the blessed work of the spirit it's your inner man that's being changed where once flowed out of you rivers of either sophisticated filth or unsophisticated filth rivers of selfishness it's changed hasn't it i you confess it confess it don't be ashamed to confess it i mean that brothers and sisters if god has done a work in you you say but it's not complete no it's not in his intent it is there are fullnesses into which he wants to take you more but i tell you you've got to confess what he's done for you a work deep a work true, a work that's wonderful. And you must make confession of that with full realization, of course, that you're not the finished article yet. There are yet more things, but I tell you, don't be ashamed to confess him. 
And all this is a spiritual work in the inner man. And uh, it must be first. Now, um, you know, how, how does this relate further to, to music, to life in the church, to, well, I want you to think this kind of way. You will know that in the Old Testament, what came first? Um, what came first, heaven or earth? What came first, God or the cosmic creation? What, what came first? Did sin come first? Did sin or was sin a foreign Thing that entered into the course of history, probably first in heaven and then upon earth, but a foreign thing. Get that clear in your hearts. Sin is not natural to man as God intended man to be and God created man. Paul is very clear about this in the Roman letter. He says that sin entered in. It entered in. It is extraneous. It came from outside. And um, therefore, uh, I am much, much nearer an authentic human being, and so are you because of the life of Jesus in you that has freed you from the dominion of sin. Hallelujah. This is why we must give praise to the Lord for what he has done. He came and bore sin away, the penalty of it, that he should free us from the power of it. Amen. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. And that means over your spirit, over your will, over your mind. Uh, hallelujah. Jesus bore the penalty of sin. You know the three famous P's, I'm sure. Glory to God. You know, he bore the penalty of sin that he might deliver us from the power of sin so that we're not carrying on sinning so that one day, hallelujah, there shall be a new creation where all things shall be made new and there shall be no more presence of sin. There's your three Ps. From the penalty, from the power, at the moment, we still see all around us in the world in which we live, we see the presence of sin. We see it in high places in government. We see it in this. And I hope, I hope you look in your own heart and in your daily living and you're not seeing it's presence now where the lord has done such a washing work in you and me 
you know, and strengthening work in us so that by his power at work in us and our agreement with his power, hallelujah, we are able to walk purely with him. That is not engaging in conscious sin. Praise God, but we're so aware of its presence around us and the tempter's voice at times and this and that. Oh, blessed, blessed thing that the Lord has done. Now, just think in those uh, primal days in the heaven of heavens when God... uh, we get an insight, don't we, that somehow there's a paradise there in the heaven of heavens. There is music there in the heaven of heavens. We we read and sense uh, that there is wondrous sound there. And if I just put this thing into your heart, And some of you are wondering, well, Bernard's taking a long time about this. You know, but we'll get there. Persevere. You know that God said, oh, let's create, let's create. You know, and the first insights we get, uh, of course, of his creating acts is Genesis 1. And you reach a point uh, in Genesis 1 where you read about the darkness and the deeps and you read about the Spirit of God vibrating. Now, that's the Hebrew word. Vibrating on the face of the waters. Now, I'm... Uh, beginning to get somewhere now, vibrations. You all know that music is essentially vibrations. Mm-hmm. You Do you know that? Do, do you understand that? And uh, the spirit was vibrating. Doubtless, it was a perfect sound. And it was on the face of the deeps because before ever it was on the face of the deeps, there was this blessed, blessed sound of glorious harmony between the Father and the Son by the Spirit and the angels until discord came in when sin was discovered in the heart of Lucifer. Are you understanding that in the primal states of God, the blessed life of harmony, the blessed life of unity, God is one. And, you know, the angelic beings... Uh, The heavenly city, oh, the glory, oh, the, the perfect sound 
and the vibrations. And, you know, <coughs> when, I, when I think of these things, and uh, I do think about them a lot, I began to think this way at least 30 years ago and understand a little bit. Oh, let's make man in our image. Let's make them in their image, in our image. Let's bequeath upon them powers similar to our own. Let's make them spirit. Let's give them soul, body. Let's do all that so that they become a temple of worship as we are in our love. Here's the Trinity speaking, Father to Son, by the Spirit, a trinity of worship, a trinity of love, a trinity of the harmony of their blessed face-to-face wondrous being this is our god let's make man in our image let's incorporate them into this as we are the temple of everlasting worship father worshiping son son worshiping spirit let's bring them into this And so the blessed uh, creating began. And with this intention in mind, the making of man, let's make Adam and Eve into a temple. Let them be temples individually. Let's make them tripartite. Let's make them body, soul, spirit. Oh, it's tremendous. Let's bring them together as one. And let them have such a harmony in their hearts between spirit, soul, and body. Let there be no division in them. Let the everlasting vibrations that make make music, that make harmony, let those vibrations be in them. Let all their powers find sweet employ. Let them be in our image. Let them be like us. Oh, blessed thing. It thrills me just to begin to have opportunity to give voice to this. And you know that God did all that. And if I was to say to you that in, most of you will know that uh, in the Hebrew language and in the Greek language, every letter has a numerical value. Uh, It's called gematria. And uh, the numerical value for two, for the words from which we get the word, the spirit brooded, the spirit vibrated. I don't know whether you're aware that most scientists now more and more believe that um, essential being comes out of uh, waves of sound vibrating 
Did you know that? I found that out 30 years ago, 35 years ago. That more and more scientists uh, believe that. Einstein believed that. You know, everything moves in waves of sound that most of us can't hear, vibrations and so on. But the, the value of that word is 288 in the Hebrew. I wonder uh, how many of you know that when God came in redemptive mercy and uh, instituted and gave a pattern from heaven to a certain man named Moses, and then to a certain man named David, first for a tabernacle and then for a temple among his chosen people. I wonder if you know how many singers mm -hmm. sang 288. <laughs> 288 they sang. And I wonder if you know that along with that 288, there was 120 who blew trumpets. And that something happened when they had built something upon the earth in that physical structure made of stones, according to the pattern that God had given from heaven, that there in the microcosm, in Jerusalem, there was a manifestation of the macrocosm of the worship in heaven, mm -hmm. and God came and presenced himself down there. And I, I haven't got time. I studied all this kind of stuff more than 30 years ago, forgotten most of it. But there was a Greek man named Pythagoras, and he, like many others, they understood about gematria, that everything was mathematical, that words had mathematical value, that there were ratios. And he even came to understand that music was mathematical. And you may not know this, but the dimensions of the temple exactly replicate a string length and its divisions into a lower octave and a higher octave. And if any of you know this, you strike a, 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 a string on a guitar and it resonates in the lower octave and the higher octave, and then it resonates in thirds. I won't go into it. I had to study this sort of stuff years ago. Like I say, I've forgotten most of it. And the dimensions of the temple with exactitude replicate every note on the scale. The dimensions, the ratios, the sound. And you know what happened in that temple. Inside that temple, the glory of God came into the microcosm from the macrocosm. Because it was all ordered right. The sacrifices had been offered. And the 
building had been built in true and proper proportion and there was this cubical room called the holy of holies and there was the holy place i i don't want to do too much of this stuff um because i don't want to lose out of it i just want you to know that there was this blessed temple upon the earth that was resonating with the glory of god where everything was in its place where the blood was in its place where amen where the sacrifices, where the sound, where the music was sounding in such a way, it was perfection. I, I mean, this all marries up with many other things, seven notes in a scale leading to the eighth, you know, from the fundamental to, and I could go on, the consonants and the imperfects and you know, the, the, the thirds and the sixths that can be modified. There's all sorts of things in scales, but it's all there in the temple. And... Uh, if well anyway you can say well what's all that got to do with it oh brother there came a temple to this earth there came a man from the father through the womb of the most wonderful woman that has ever been born uh, through her womb he came and in that temple, I want you to know that purest worship, purest music sounded. That in the cubicle room of his spirit, there was no divide, no curtain there between his inner spirit and his soul room, his holy place. And through the veil of his flesh, there shone the light of the glorious states of his human spirit in fellowship with his father. His mind was never out of gear. No, no, no. His mind and its powers grew with understanding and with wisdom. And there was resonating in him the vibrations of everlasting love, the sounds which occasionally burst out in a song full of meaning, so that when he read a scripture, when he sang a psalm, for you know he sang them, oh, it was with all the plenishment of the fullness of his wondrous being in that temple that temple came amen mm. hope you're picking up my drift in what i am saying oh to be a man like jesus oh to be you know you can say it sisters oh to be like jesus Oh, the old psalmist, you know, he used to cry out to me, Oh, unite my heart to fear thy name. 
Oh, I'm a disjointed being, dear, dear David, you know, troubled, you know, oh, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I know his influence is upon me. I've gone wrong. And you know that Jesus came to do a great work, didn't he? He came to do a great work. To, to make a temple of persons, which we call the church, the true church. To make a temple of persons. I'm one, you're one, others are one. That in your being as an individual, you should be such a temple. Such a place of worship going on in your inner man, taking hold of your mind, you coming into this kind of spontaneous flowing life where in a way you're like an instrument that he plucks and plays by his spirit and the strings of your powers resonate with his touch. Amen, where note fits with note, where you are in an increasing harmony with God. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. And so that any verbalization of scripture, any verbalization of a song, any singing of a song is blessed because it is imbued with the tenor of your worshipful inner man, where all your powers are coming out. This is why no preacher here will ever really preach unless all their powers are engaged in this way. If it's just a mental exercise, if it's all just formulated beforehand, if it's all just measured and mechanized and managed and all the rest of it, you're not there yet, brother. You're not there where God wants you to be. Those singers who know what used to be called all the modifications, the three-chord trick, and, and then all the modifications that are added to it, or if you are somewhat of a jazz person like I did, uh, I'd spent time in a conservatorium doing a course in jazz harmony, so I know about thirteenths and tritone substitutions and all this, that, and the other, and it doesn't matter two hoots about uh, why well, you know what chord structures by which you can manipulate people. You know we're talking about something that's of the spirit. And I want you to know this and get this clear that, uh, you know, that how many people were in that place on the day of Pentecost? I mentioned 120 trumpeters, didn't I, in the old temple. There were 120 in that upper room. If I was to say to you, and I'm sorry to just throw this out at you, 
288 is the fundamental. 144, which is half of 288, is the is where you come to the higher octave. It's halfway. And then half of 144 is 72. And 72 in the geography and ratios of the temple was the back wall of the cubicle holy of holies. Everything matches up, patterned on heaven. And oh, how God wants to do this with us, you know, to build us, build it together. You build it together by the hand of God, our powers balanced together so that, yes, if you're blessed with some kind of ability to sing, you know, there's such a weight comes forth and the music if you play an instrument and i'll tell you this if you get into purist worship you'll put your instrument down and in fact you'll go further than that you get into purist worship you'll stop every utterance and you will be in the mystery of the resonations and the vibrations of the blessedness of every power in your being, being gathered up by the Spirit and rising. And this is when the glory comes. This is where the power comes in the preaching. This is where the spirit of the Lord has his full liberty in the temple of a man and a woman's body. In their mind. Where their mind becomes the servant of the spirit. Where the prophetic utterance begins to flow if it's utterance that he wants to bring forth, where the songs of purest worship can rise. Tremendous, tremendous thing. It all marries up, you see. It all links together. You know, worshipping in spirit. And, you know, I, I come, of course, I come to the book of Hebrews and I'm looking at the, the clock and... I'll go a little bit more on this. Um, I want to get to the revelation, but I don't know if I'm whetting your appetite to realize, oh, that you become the song, you become the sound, you and your powers in the temple of your being. And it erupts from time to time in uh, just a, a flowing force, purest worship. You know, in the Hebrews letter, in the second chapter, I know Mark has spotted this one because he's mentioned it before. Uh, I know, but, you know, in the second chapter where the writer's talking about the great salvation, and uh, he's going to get to the pure ministry and the book of Hebrews. He's going to, do you know what, what Jesus's ministry is now? 
Do, do you know that he wants us to be involved in that purest ministry within the veil, within the veil? That's where the purest ministry is. Jesus has gone within the veil. He wants to bring us within the veil so that the ministry that we have is within the veil with him. Oh, where where everything's worship, where where to preach means to worship, where to 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 do a chore is to worship, Mm -hmm. to to do this, to do that, to do the other. It's the song of the soul expressed. It's the worshiping heart. Hallelujah. Um, What a thing this is. But in Hebrews 2, you know, in the context of things, he, he talks about, um, you know, man being made a, a little lower than the angels, and, and he comes on down. We see Jesus, verse 9. By the way, <clears throat> that's, uh, that's the answer for disconsolate souls. Hebrews is the letter to the disconsolate. Hebrews is the letter to the disappointed. Hebrews is the letter to those who have followed hard and uh, have uh, hit some brick walls of difficulty and persecution. And the writer writes a, a long letter, though he says it's actually quite short, a little letter of exhortation, he says. Um, <laughs> and uh, he writes this letter, and it's all about Jesus. Why don't you look at Jesus? Come on, let's look at Jesus together. Look, look who he is. Look where he is. Look what he's done. Look what he's doing. Now you go out to him. You just go out to him. You know, and he says this right the way through. Ah, I tell you, we see Jesus who for a little while was made lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor. Oh, because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for every man. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist. Oh, I tell you, As soon as I begin to read that word, all things. You know, is there a thing out of place in the world for those who love God? That's the thing. In him, all things subsist. Colossians 1. I think it's verse 17. In him, all things are from him. All things are for him. 
All things are through him. All things are to him. All things. Amen. That's what I see about Jesus. Oh, everything in him was worshipful. Everything. Everything resonated and and sounds still. Amen. And it says that he's bringing many sons to glory. That's what God is doing right now. Verse 10. He's bringing you to the glory of this brother. The sister. He's bringing you to the glory of this. Making you a son in the sun, through the sun, like the sun, suns in the sun. And he had to do this through suffering. That's what it says. Mm. And then it says this, for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have all one origin. Isn't that wonderful? When I think of my brethren, I think of them as my brethren. Some of them may have become my enemy, but I think of them as my brethren. Uh, Because we all have one origin. We came out of one womb. Let me just throw this out to you in passing, if I may, and do some thinking about this one. Abraham had two sons, and one was of the bondwoman, mother's important, as well as father. The other was by the free woman. Is that right? And the free woman is Jerusalem, which is above and is free. I'm quoting from Galatians 4. From what womb were you born? A Baptist womb? A reformed womb? A charismatic, positive thinking womb? From what womb were you born? Because that's important too. That's important too. Very important. For some of these wombs are legalistic wombs and they do not bring liberty in Christ Jesus. They restrict the life. They restrict the life. This may, what I've just thrown out to you, might explain certain things to you about your origins. That you're still hampered by your mother, by your religious mother. Still hampered by by her, by that which came from her and And you've got to step into the liberty, the liberty. The mother that begot us is the new Jerusalem that's above and is free. We do not have to have 50 minutes of of 
singing. We do not have to have singing, you know, in a block. We do not have to have these things. We must move into the spontaneity of the life of God. Now you say, well, we've got a long way to go, haven't we? Yes. Yes. Yes, we've got a long way to go. We've got a long way to go. You see the mother that's from above is free. You could have a meeting with no message. You could have a meeting with 10 messages if you move into the spontaneity of life in Christ, into the liberty. You could have a meeting that is made up all of singing, of singing that all you want to do is sing. You could even have a meeting that might turn into a shout that goes on for half an hour where the trumpets blow. Hallelujah, the trumpets blow. Oh, we've got a long way to go, brothers and sisters. We're hampered by our mothers. And, you know, I've lived through two times experiences in our own experience where for months on end we knew something of this wondrous spontaneity as the spirit ruled among us and there was hardly ever a discordant note ever it was like rivers flowing indeed and springs springing up hallelujah And there was no need for any instrument at all where songs rose spontaneously and flowed some that uh, had never been prepared and the person had never sung before. Yeah, that's a little bit what Paul's getting at in 1 Corinthians 14 where he describes the true meetings. You know, because you know that when he talks about singing, he says, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Psalms and hymns and spiritual in your hearts. He, he knows that the heart is the temple of worship. He knows that these kinds of songs come when hearts are in harmony with God, where they're not holding out against God, when they're not arguing about God. If you're arguing with God, keep your mouth shut in the meeting, will you? (laughs) That's if you even have the right to do anything in a meeting, you know, or the opportunity, should I put it that way? Oh, blessed preacher, be in harmony with God, my brother. My sister, be in harmony. Let him have all your powers. I tell you, become a temple of worship where everything he's got in his hands, where he can pluck the strings of your life, you see. And I'll tell you that in the midst of it all, we will hear him in our hearts proclaiming the name of his father to us. This is verse 12, isn't it, of chapter 2. I will proclaim thy name to my brethren. 
This is Jesus speaking. My brethren, my brethren, I will declare thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will praise thee. I was standing upstairs earlier this afternoon looking out of my window we have fields out the back we can see the hills up the back and there's some sheep on the, in the fields up there and I could see it from the upstairs and I was listening to a song I was listening to an old tape and I was listening to this song thank you Jesus for your love to me. And I was listening to this uh, a crowd. It was a meeting that I was in. I don't think I'd preached in that meeting. It's a long while ago, 30, 35 years ago. And uh, ah, you could hear the father extolling his son. And there are other times where you could, you could hear Jesus in the midst of his brethren singing to, to his father, you know, and encouraging, you know, the, the, the heavenly harmonies. Tremendous. In the midst of the congregation, Jesus says, I will praise thee. I will tell you something about this. Most of us don't give space to things. You can only begin to see a thing if you will stand in silence and look at it. You'll begin to see it. Life is a cacophony of noises. Most of us don't look at one another. Sit in the silence and look at your wife. Brother, and just look at her and you'll begin to see her. Sister, if you have a husband, Sit in silence. Silence gives space to see. We cram up against things. We shoulder things. And we fail to see them. Parents, sit in silence and look at your child. Just look. And you'll begin to see them. You'll begin to value them properly. You'll see them in the context of the immensity of the creation. You won't be hampered and limited in your perceptions. You know, and this is what we've got to do in meetings. We must give Jesus room. We'll begin to hear him leading, singing. And he may sing through a sister, through a brother. 
it may begin to come through that way. It's another dimension and the worship's beginning to go on in the temple. And you say to me, and some of you might smile and you might say, well, my church is a million miles away from this. In, and I know, I know, I know. But that doesn't mean to say I shouldn't speak it and bear testimony to it and draw your attention to it. Glory to God, for we are moving into days, my brothers and sisters, where I wonder if we'll have the electricity to get the instruments to go, <laughs> where we'll have to gather and wait on the Lord and wait on one another and watch and pray and be together. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I better rush on, didn't I? Into Hebrews 12. Surely you knew that we'd come there. You know, this, this is where we've come to. We, we haven't come to an external place. We've come to the, you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God there. The angels, have you heard them? I'm sure some of you have. I'm sure some of you have. Haven't you, haven't you heard them? Haven't you heard them in the fields? Haven't you heard them in the, in the quiet place? <laughs> I, I hope that you have. Have you, have you drawn near to the, you know, where you're conscious of all these firstborn brethren around you and you're beginning to see them as brothers and you're not letting the devil divide you from them in your heart at least. Where they're brethren, they're our brethren. They're our brethren. Where we're beginning to see church, <laughs> you know, and then I'm going to rush on to, to Revelation, you know, where we, we find the whole city is a cube. The whole city, uh, all, it, it, it's, it's there, it, it, it's glorious, everything's harmony, everything's the perfection of sound. Everything's the perfection of music. I, I mean, I, I've, I've said enough. I, I, you know, I hope it helps what I've shared with you. I hope it gives you a heart to say, oh God, will you do it? Will you bring me into this more and more? Will you make my heart uh, oh, uh, uh, in tune with you? Oh, Lord, you know, we used to sing a hymn. It was always one of my, my favorites. So sweet is the work, my God, my King, to praise thy name, give thanks and sing. Oh, may my heart in tune be found like David's harp of solemn sound. 
you know, it's wonderful. May my heart be found. Have we got that anywhere, yeah, darling? Okay. Um, you know, the words are delightful. No, that's, uh, that's enough. Sweet is the work, my God. And one of the verses says, oh, all my powers find sweet employ in that eternal world of joy. One of my friends went to be with the Lord on Friday. A man I preached at one or two conferences with. He was only a year or so older than me. Some of you knew him. His name was Fred Tomlinson. And he suddenly went to be with the Lord on Sunday morning. Sorry, Friday morning. But I remember a conference in Manchester that we did together many, many years ago. And, oh, he was a different man to me. And, of course, we're not all to be the same. But I know that he's singing there now. I know that he died loving the Lord. Yeah. And the Lord decided to take him. But oh, the blessedness of this, you know, sweet is the work, my God, my King, to praise thy name, give thanks and sing, to show thy love by morning light and talk of all thy truth at night. Sweet is the day of sacred rest. No mortal cares disturb my breast. Oh, may my heart in tune be found like David's harp of solemn sound. My heart shall triumph in the Lord and bless his works and bless his word. Thy works of grace, how bright they shine. How deep thy counsels, how divine. And I shall share a glorious part when grace has well refined my heart and fresh supplies of joy are shed like holy oil to cheer my then shall I see and hear and know all I desired 
all wished below, and every path finds sweet employ in that eternal world of joy. That hymn begins, sweet is the work, my God, my King, and it ends, every power finds sweet employ in that eternal world of joy. Now may every power in you and every power in me in the temple of our beings, may they be gathered up together like strings uh, on an instrument for God to pluck and vibrate so that the perfections of what he wants to bring forth come out in word and deed. And may our lives be music, brothers and sisters, in this cacophonous world, this cacophonous world, this clashing symbol of a world. May we be more like it. May we give ourselves to God for this. May we do it, my brothers and sisters. I've tried to imperfectly set before you not a critical message, but a message that would lift us up to what it's really all about. That's what I've tried to do. Mm-hmm. You judge whether I've failed or not. Mm-hmm. But I hope I have stirred <laughs> you to go after God and be a man that in whom a woman in whom the temple resonates with his glory throughout the Holy of Holies and the holy place of your soul and even peeking through the veil of your flesh so that the glory of God is seen. Jesus' flesh was torn at Calvary. The veil of his flesh revealed the beauty of his inner life Did it not? The glory was seen. The glory was seen. One day he's going to come in the glory. Well, there we are. Enough from me. And may the Lord bless what he's shared with us. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share it. There we are. Amen. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> bless you mark <laughs> yeah amen <laughs> amen amen yeah you've lifted our eyes mm. to look at jesus yeah hallelujah yeah. yes well it's good it's good to give opportunity just to respond yeah. together to the lord and just invite one or two to unmute yourself three or four just respond and lift your Right, yeah, that's right. Let your let there be a rising in your heart to respond to the Lord in prayer or song. Yes. Pour your heart out to him.